At this time, our kids can be dismissed to their class. And uh, take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is our scripture reading for today. Psalm 31, uh, we have the privilege of having Pastor Nate uh, preach the word to us this morning. And so we are going to start reading. I will read. You can follow along. Uh, starting in verse 9 of Psalm 31 and going down to the end of the psalm. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones wax away. Because of all my adversities, I have... Adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and and an object of dread to all my acquaintances. Those who see me in the streets flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I fear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O God. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteousness and pride and contempt. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who have taken refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in the shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm... I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you as saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays those who act in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. I do want to take a moment and say happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. I have the privilege this morning of having all three of the mothers in my life here. My mom is here, my mother-in-law is here, and my wife, Callie, who gave birth to Lydia exactly one year ago today, is here. And I'm thankful for all three of them. At the same time, I do recognize that, as Pastor Pete said, Mother's Day is difficult for many people for many different reasons. Perhaps uh, some of you have miscarried or lost a child or for whatever reason have been unable to have children. Perhaps you've lost a mother or a wife or you have unpleasant memories of your mother. Or perhaps some of you mothers feel guilty because you feel like you haven't been a very good mom. In any case, I have been praying for you that God would minister special grace to you today in a special way. You know, it's common on a day like today for us to hear sermons from Proverbs 31 on the virtuous woman, right? There's probably no passage that is preached more on Mother's Day than Proverbs 31. 
It's a passage that poetically portrays the idealized woman and gives women everywhere an aspirational model to follow. Since it's poetry, it has more than a few exaggerated phrases that have created some high expectations for Christian women that can seem unattainable or unrealistic. Well, today I want to take a different approach that I hope will be beneficial for many of you in here. There are probably a couple people here who feel today like they did everything they could just to get here. And that's okay. We're glad that you are here. There are probably some moms here who feel completely worn out from the high calling of motherhood, and they would not mind if perhaps the nursery workers would just keep their kids until next Sunday. I don't think I'm going out on a limb to suggest that there's probably a lot of days when you feel like you're living Psalm 31 instead of Proverbs 31. Now, if that's the case, I want to encourage you with the news that God has something to say to you today from his word about the place that you're at in life. You see, Psalm 31 is a psalm of David where he acknowledges that God is his refuge In the first eight verses, David knows that God is his rock and his fortress and that God knows all of his struggles and his troubles. He recognizes that God has worked on his behalf in the past and is capable of doing so now. And yet, while he knows all of that, as it comes to verse 9, it is clear that David is still in trouble. He still feels isolated and separated from God. So what do you do when you know a lot about God, but you still feel alone, isolated, and abandoned by him? What do you do when your feelings seem so much more powerful than what you know to be true about God? That's what we're going to be looking at today in Psalm 31. So first of all, let's take a look at the feelings of isolation that the psalmist talks about and see if you can relate. Let's let's start in verse 9. David says this, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. David is stressed out. I think you get the picture just by those first few words. He's pleading for God to give him grace because of the distress that he's in. Now, we don't know exactly what situation inspired David to write this psalm, but we know that he had plenty of stress in his life, so it's, it's not a surprise that we're reading these words from him. Grace is unmerited favor, which is exactly what David needs at this moment in his dire situation. He realizes that he doesn't deserve favor from God. So he asks for God to provide it based on God's own character of goodness and his desire to help his children. Notice how he calls attention to his eye being wasted from grief. Have you ever been so stressed out that your eyes hurt? Have you ever had so much pressure behind in your head that your, your eyes just feel pained? It's possible this is what David's talking about. It's also possible 
Now what David is describing here is the result of crying so often that his eyes are worn out from tears. Now if that's the case, we're not just talking about some light tears here. We're talking about what we call the ugly cry. Right? David has been bawling his eyes out over and over again so that his eyes are in pain. And notice, he goes on to say that his emotional stress is affecting his soul and his body also. Every facet of his life is touched by the pressure that he's facing. To the psalmist, it feels like his entire life is sorrowful. He's gloomy. The things that used to bring him joy now fail to lift his spirits. A deep spirit of depression has settled over David, and he desperately wants help. Now maybe there are some women in this room today that feel this way today. Your life is full of stress. You aren't sure how you're going to be able to continue on unless something changes. You've done your fair share of ugly crying and perhaps suffered through more headaches than you can count. And if that's the case, it's easy to see how you might find the contrasting picture of the Proverbs 31 woman to be a bit discouraging, to say the least. Proverbs 31, verse 25 says this, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. You know, it's kind of like when you were in school and you get your test results back and you just barely manage to get a C. And then the teacher says to you, for the next test, you'll need to memorize the entire textbook in Swahili. And there's that one student in the class who's like, oh yeah, bring it on. And you're like, come on, I'm just barely hanging on here. Maybe that's what it feels like to look at the Proverbs 31 woman right now. You know, it's easy to look at people like that Proverbs 31 woman and think they have it all together. They don't have any struggles. They're totally secure. And here we are living under the stress of raising teenagers. Here we are trying to get all the kids to be healthy at the same time so we don't have to be sequestered at home for another month. Here we are feeling like we're in isolation while the rest of the world just moves on without any cares. It's easy to get trapped believing the lie that everyone else is sailing free while we're dealing with intense pressure and stress-induced headaches. I want us to notice at the end of verse 10 how the emotional stress takes its toll on the psalmist's physical body as well. He says, My strength fails because of my iniquity, and my bones waste away. Now, it's not all that uncommon for people who are depressed to also have corresponding physical pain. In this case, David is exhausted. He feels tired all the time. And based on what he says, he believes that some part of his exhaustion is due to sin. Perhaps it's very likely that he feels guilty about some personal failures, and his guilt is sapping away all of his energy. Maybe you can identify with the struggle of being physically exhausted all the time. Your life is hectic and you struggle to accomplish even a third of the things on your to-do list. 
And even if you had the time to do the rest, you're not really sure that you'd have the energy to do the rest. If so, reading about the Proverbs 31 woman might just depress you a little bit. See, Proverbs 31, verse 17 says this, She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. And not only does it describe her strength, but it provides a list of her exemplary accomplishments with all of that energy in verses 13 to 22. Let me summarize just a few of them for you. She makes all of the family's clothes and blankets by hand with the best materials. She goes all over town buying groceries at the best price. She gets up super early to make breakfast for everybody. She surveys the best properties available and buys one and then starts a highly successful business. On the side, you know. She stays up super late working on projects for her family. And while she's doing all that, she starts her own charity to help poor people in the area. So you read that, and you might just want to give up because your goal this week was to set your clocks forward because you haven't gotten around to doing it in the last couple months. You know, some people seem like superheroes when you read on Facebook about all the things that they get done. And do we play the comparison game and then get discouraged when other people seem to get so much more done than we do? Or do we feel guilty about failures as a parent that have drained all of our energy? Some people, like the Proverbs 31 woman, look strong and healthy and industrious. But maybe you're in pain and totally wiped out. If you look at verses 11 to 13, you'll notice that David's reputation has been affected too. He writes this, Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel, for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. Now again, we don't know the specific time in David's life that this is happening, so we don't know exactly what he's going through. But it's clear that while he's emotionally stressed and he's feeling physical pain and exhaustion, his reputation has also been tarnished. His enemies have caused even his friends to turn against him. And now he feels like a broken vessel. Someone who once had meaning and purpose, but now he just feels pretty worthless. And perhaps you're feeling that way today. Maybe your life once had promise and a bright future, but now your reputation has been shattered and so have your dreams. You used to have great relationships with people, but now some of your closest friends don't even talk to you. You used to be able to talk to your children about anything, but now they don't want to talk to you at all. If so, 
you probably don't want to hear about the Proverbs 31 woman right now who seems to have perfect relationships. I mean, Proverbs 31, 23 says this, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Now, in their society, her husband is prestigious and is well-known, so that makes her Mrs. Popular. She has status. And not only that, verse 28 says this, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. So she's got a perfect home life too, right? When she makes breakfast, her four-year-old daughter looks up from her omelet and says, Mother, thank you for always feeding us and making us all of our clothes and showing us love always. May you be blessed. And perhaps you're here this morning, and today is tough because your home isn't perfect. Your husband isn't sitting in a place of prominence in the land. Maybe he doesn't even know or love God. Maybe your marriage is struggling or you're dealing with an especially difficult child. Maybe your relationships with your friends have seen better days all around. And it's easy to look at people's perfectly curated Instagram lives and think that everybody else has it all together. Now, as we looked at David's isolation and perhaps identified with some of what he's feeling, I want to be clear about something. Proverbs 31 is not a bad passage. And the woman portrayed there is a fine example for women to follow. The point I want us to see here is that while we pursue godliness and we're trying to be the best parents or people that we can be, our lives are often a lot messier than we'd like them to be. And the Bible speaks into our very real and our very messy lives, and it offers us hope. See, there's hope for those of us who don't have perfect homes and perfect lives. And David's going to show us that in just a moment. So what do we do when we're facing intense emotional stress, or when we're worn out, or when our relationships at home or our reputation has been tarnished? What do we do when we know God is there but we just feel so isolated. Well, let's look at verse 14 to see what David says next. He says this, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. You see, David's response to his overwhelming feelings was to trust. And when our feelings of isolation become increasingly powerful, God wants us to trust him as well. When we know that God is all-powerful, but we don't feel like he is, he calls us to trust that it's true. He wants us to believe his word is true even when every fiber in our body feels like it's not. And when it looks like God is not for us and our life circumstances seem to rise up and mock us, 
God receives so much glory through our trust. David says, you are my God. And when we feel isolated from God's presence, yet we choose to say, God, you are my God, it shows the world around us that God is not just some social crutch that we lean on for spiritual status. He really is our everything. See, verse 14 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. So like David, we preach the truth to ourselves over and over and over and over again. You are God. Even when it feels like I am alone, you are with me. And I want you to notice that verse 15 has a very interesting phrase. David says, my times are in your hand. Now what does that mean? David is referring to this Hebrew concept that life is made up of a series of decisive moments. David is essentially entrusting every single one of those moments to God and surrendering his life to God's power and authority. This means that David doesn't just trust God with his eternal destiny. He trusts God with every moment, every struggle, and every trial. God, I feel stressed out and exhausted. I don't feel like you're listening to me, but I trust that you are. Take my life and shape it for your glory. Make my life as insignificant as it feels right now count for your purposes. And in trusting God, he wants us to commit every part of our lives to his care. Maybe that's part of the struggle for you today. You're willing to entrust life after death to God, but you're struggling to trust God to get your kids through high school. You don't worry about what's going to happen to you after you die, but you constantly worry about whether you're going to get everything done today that you want to get done. See, God wants us to trust him, not just for our eternal destiny, but for every part of our lives. Verse 15 says that the psalmist wants to be rescued. He wants to be delivered from his uncomfortable situation. I'm sure we can echo those thoughts many times. Verse 16 says that he prays that God would make his face shine on him. Now again, this is, this is a common Hebrew blessing that we would find in, in Numbers 6.25. In essence, David prays that God would show him favor even when he subjectively doesn't feel God's favor. I want to ask you, do you ever feel like God is holding back from you? Do you ever feel like God is absent and withholding his love? It's times like these that we need to follow David's lead and preach the truth to ourselves. God, I don't feel like you're here. But I know that you are. Please reassure me of your love. And then we build a list of passages from God's word that reassure us that God is absolutely for us. Passages like Romans 8, Ephesians 1, and Psalm 46. 
And we read these passages, and even better, we memorize them. And allow God to make us dwell on the truth that he has revealed about himself and that he cares for us. And we will be strengthened to trust him more and to trust him with every part of our lives. God wants us to commit every part of our lives to his care, but he also wants us to know that he will bring complete vindication. Now look at verses 17 and 18. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. Now, in his pain, David wants to be vindicated before the evil people who have harmed him and turned his friends against him. He wants it to be clear to everyone that they are evil and he is righteous. He wants his friends to realize that they made the wrong choice to believe what these ungodly people said about him. And folks, it's a very human desire to want to be vindicated before others. But it's a very Christian action to understand that while vindication will ultimately come, it may not happen when we want it to. And it may not happen in our lifetime. You see, we want everybody to like us. (laughs) We don't like it when people find fault in us. And yet it is impossible, folks, it is impossible for Christians to believe and practice God's truth without facing scorn and ridicule in this world. This has always been true. This is not just the case in the past few years. If we try as families to live out our Christian convictions according to the Bible, we will be told that we are intolerant bigots who hate lots of different people. We may do everything in our power to show love to those who live anti-Christian lifestyles and who make God-defying choices, but people will still mock us as backwards hypocrites who are on the wrong side of history. But folks, one day God will return and he will vindicate us as people who are righteous through the merits of Christ alone, not by what we've done. But until that day comes, are we willing to endure shame and mockery by those who reject God? Can we trust that God will one day vindicate us and rest in him even though we'll be looked at as bigots today? Now, maybe your reputation isn't what you want. Certainly, we all want to be liked by everyone. But will we value God more and trust that his vindication is more valuable to us than being liked by every neighbor today? You see, at times we feel isolated from God and alone. But it's at these times that we must do two things, folks. First, we must trust him. And second, we must praise him. See, look what David says starting in verse 19. He says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, 
which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. You see, when David felt isolated from God and separated from his promises, he chose to trust in God and then to spend time worshiping him. Folks, so many times, people who are hurting and facing doubt choose to stop going to church and worshiping God with their brothers and sisters in Christ. They don't feel like God is there, so they stop praising him. But David's example proves to be exactly the opposite. See, when he didn't feel like God was good, he praised God for his goodness. When his circumstances made him think that God wasn't protecting him, he praised God for being a shelter in the storm of life. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, God. I know it doesn't feel like that's the case, but I'm choosing to trust and praise you anyway. Folks, we need the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ declaring truths about God to one another. We need to encounter God together as we sing, read, and listen to his word in our valleys. When we sing songs like Behold Our God together as a church, we are reminded that God is in control of our stressful lives. He knows about our pain and our exhaustion. And we are reminded that our relationship with him is far more valuable than our reputation with others. Now notice, starting in verse 21, how David praised God by rehearsing his acts of faithfulness in the past. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had set in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. You see, here we have a clear situation where David's feelings in the past did not match his reality. He felt like God couldn't see him in his trouble. And yet here he experienced God's deliverance and realized that God had heard him all along. So now David is in another situation in Psalm 31, where he feels like God can't hear him. So David is praising God by remembering how God delivered him before in a similar situation. You may be a believer here today, and you feel isolated. Like God doesn't hear you when you pray. You feel like God doesn't notice that you're completely worn out and stressed. At times like this, God wants us to remember his faithfulness in the past. He wants us to store memories in our minds of the things that he has done before to prove his power, his answering that impossible prayer, his sustaining you in that dark valley. This is why God had the Israelites build monuments at the sites where he performed great miracles. He wanted them to come back and remember his works on their behalf and he wanted them to worship him. 
And he wants us to remember his works on our behalf as well. You see, we praise him by rehearsing his faithfulness to us in the past, and we praise him by reassuring others of his faithfulness in the future. Look at these final two verses, 23 and 24. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Notice how David, in the middle of his trouble, now turns to his fellow believers and encourages them to love God too. Praise God. He reminds them that God honors faithfulness to him. He reminds them to be strong and to take courage because waiting on the all-powerful God and all-seeing God is worth it. David doesn't retreat into his shell and wait for his spirits to lift. He turns to God and trust and then turns to others and reminds them to trust God as well. One of the most powerful means of God distributing his grace to believers in their time of need is while they praise him and encourage others to do the same. When we all gather together as his church and sing his praise together, God ministers to us in such a powerful way as we affirm truths about him. This is one reason, folks, why online church is not an equivalent substitute for worshiping together with other believers in person. God created the church to be a gathered people. And believe me, while we can take advantage of live streaming opportunities when health or other restrictions separate us, we should never choose these options when we are able to be present with the gathered church. How about us? When we're stressed out, we feel isolated from God, do we recognize that we need the body of Christ and the encouragement that we receive from worshiping together with other believers? Do we go against every feeling in our body that tells us to withdraw and close up when we're depressed? Do we run to Christ with our brothers and sisters in the body and grab hold of him in faith singing and rehearsing the truths of the word of God, expecting God to minister them to our hearts. On this Mother's Day, the reason that we in this room can celebrate, even when we don't feel like it, is because Jesus has made a way for us to deal with our sins. By our own works, we are forever deserving of being alienated from God because of the sins that we have committed against him. We have broken his law, and the only punishment suitable for rebels who have broken God's law is eternal death and separation from him. But in his love, he sent his son to earth to keep the law that we could never keep. And he took the punishment that we deserved on himself by being crucified on a cross. And when Jesus hung on that cross in our place, he cried out the words of Psalm 31, verse 5, Into your hand I commit my spirit. 
Because you see, before we ever took a breath, Jesus suffered incredible stress and pain and isolation from God. His reputation was tarnished. Not because of anything that he did wrong, but because he carried all of our wrongs in himself. And when he cried out to the Father, into into your hand I commit my spirit, Jesus knew that one day he would be vindicated in the sight of every human being that mocked and scorned him when every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And today, if you will turn from your sins and place your faith in Jesus alone, he will save you. And you can be assured that you will spend eternity forever with him and you will be vindicated with him. And you will be able to praise his name when your life doesn't look the way that you hoped or expected that it would. See, this morning, I hope, I hope that you're encouraged by the fact that our lives don't have to look perfect and pristine to earn God's favor. Jesus has already done everything that is necessary to earn God's favor for you and for me. Believe in Jesus. Trust him when you feel isolated. And then praise him for his goodness to you. Praise him in your heart and praise him with your church. Let's pray together. God, we praise your name because you are holy. And though you made everything to be perfect, we sinned against you. We are rebels. But that is not the end of the story. Jesus died in our place so that through faith in him, we can be justified. We can live forever with you. We'll be glorified in the future, and you will vindicate all wrongs. And today, Father, I pray that you would encourage us to live in faithfulness to your commands, knowing that you will vindicate us for any wrong that's done against us. I pray this morning for mothers who are worn out. I pray this morning for women who are worn out. I pray this morning for men who are worn out. We all need Christ. We need his strength. But we are encouraged by the message from your word that we don't have to be perfect to earn your favor. Jesus has done it all. Help us to trust in him. Help us to rely on him. And into your hands we commit our entire lives, every moment, for Jesus' sake and in his name.